Max, you Marx man. I wonder how loud that was. People were like, oh, oh my fucking, like, throw some headphones. <laughs> this is a wrestling podcast now. We're talking about the WWE. <laughs> You better listen up, brother. Ooh, yeah. I'm going to snap into this theory. (laughs) Read your books. Eat your vitamins. So That's what we we turned into. We got Flintstone vitamins sponsoring us. (laughs) So anyway, welcome back to Mark's Madness in collaboration uh, with Chunkaluta. Um... I'm David. I'm Shibane too. Nathan's not here. Nathan's so not here. If you, of, if you notice being off the rails, yeah. It, it, yeah, off the rails. That's <laughs> key signature of David Shibane two episodes. And the second one is that it always opens with a terrible impression of Nathan. Today. <laughs> I've solved that issue. That's right. Scream into the mic. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, yeah, uh, we're continuing where we last left off, like we are prone to do. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and we are skipping current events because it's the second episode that we're recording the, the same, same day. Night. Yeah, yeah. We made Nathan night. go away and then we started recording because we're just, we're, we're, we're doing God knows what. <laughs> so, um, I was getting teriyaki chicken. Well, okay, fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let's see. New frontiers of value. We were in this paragraph. Where did we leave off? We we are suffering. No, we didn't. We ended on Jeff Bezos and Elon. Oh, we did end Jeff Bezos and Elon. That's right. Okay. Okay. So we're going to start with our suffering is bundled and rebundled as debt for Wall Street speculators to exploit and sell. When we are not being financialized, we are being murdered, caged, and harassed, or neglected and abandoned. Sometimes this happens all at once. Under neoliberal capitalism, everyday people have to work longer and harder while wages have decreased. Benefits have dried up, and state-sponsored support mechanisms have evaporated through privatization and budget slashing. And of course, it's all interrelated. production is up, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and of course, so those- there. Record profits, yeah, are because of our work mm-hmm. being better done. Yet we're not seeing any of the value of that. Yeah, seventy two and- or seventy four. When was the last? Oh God, it forever ago. Yeah, it was. It was in the seventies. I mean, the the fact of the matter is, is you know those things are interrelated, not interrelated like just they have the same cause, which is why we're here and where we tear, tie the Marxism is the boss wants profit. Uh, but interrelated, and they allow each other to happen. You know, you have your benefits stripped. All is related. Yeah, there you go. I came up again a million <laughs> times. The uh, examples are endless. Yes, that's why I view it as dialectics because dialectics is like applicable to everything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyway, sorry to interrupt. Uh, no, no, no. You're fine. You can you can interrupt me with the hoop every time. Um, but uh, basically, you know, those things are not only uh, – God, I just said that the whitest way possible, didn't I? <laughs> uh-huh. We'll move on from there. Yeah. <laughs> if you know, you know. If you don't, you don't. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Um, no. Uh, we uh, those things not only are, are derived from the same cause, but they they work off each other. You know, with wages cut, 
right? You're you're not going to be as confident that if I lose this job, or I'm sorry, with with the the social services cut, you're not going to be as confident when I lose this job. Then your wage is going to get cut, so you're going to be even more desperate and scared when you lose that job. And then when pensions flip into 401ks or just go away completely, and health insurance goes down, and all of a sudden you're seeing your power sapped. It's like a momentum all the same direction that starts wielding on top of wielding, and then the people that have are the ones that get the voices heard rather than than the the growing population of people who oh, do not have. Yeah. Well, and like even even in like cases, so compared to a lot of listeners, I probably have way less, right? Mm-hmm. But compared to most Lakota, mm-hmm. I'm I'm fucking. Yeah, I'm doing all right. You know, like if you're one of the people sending money back to the res. Yeah. You know, you are at a different place. Yeah. And it's due to your proletarization, really. But, um, you know, that's why the colonial question is so important is because there's so many people that can't proletarianize because there is no investment. There is none. Mm -hmm. Are no jobs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so, again, you know, the the more the the more the haves get to speak up over the have nots, the more they're going to scream as if they're. Their, you know, paychecks go down or stay the same too long. How are they going to take it out? Well, they don't have power against their bosses. Life's treating them good. Scream for them tax cuts that the bosses want. Bang, all of a sudden, you know, your benefits go down and it's just an endless cycle, right? Again, it, it goes around in a circle and around in a circle. Until you unionize. Until you unionize. Yeah, that's how you break that then cycle. we have an expression of labor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you mm-hmm. can't rely on it. So this is take and give. Yeah. You know, yep. constantly. Absolutely. Um, let's see. Atakiye Oyasu. <laughs> We're going to no, that, end that's, on where I we mean, <laughs> See the circles we go into? I don't know if I did the classic uh, Dr. Van Eek um, quote, but it's basically a uh, quote explaining the methodologies of indigenous storytelling and sort of the methodology I always fall into is these circular conversations that a lot of people might interpret as, you know, just repeating myself, but it's, it's supposed to take something that meant something five episodes ago and reapply it and show you the universality of the philosophy yeah, you know, so it it shows the scientific nature of this rather than it being some metaphysical concept that uh, is thrown away by settlers because they misunderstand our science. Mm-hmm. Because it's different. Wow, <laughs> we didn't. Who would have guessed? Amazing. Um. So these conditions led to a decade of massive anti-austerity uprisings in nations like Greece, Lebanon, Chile, France, Ecuador, and the United States, part of a larger global movement against social and economic abandonment. These uprisings have held states accountable for policies that shrink the public programs for food, housing, education, transportation, and health care in the name of fiscal responsibility while simultaneously offering – subsidies. said that wrong. It's fiscal responsibility. Well, simultaneously offering subsidies and incentives for multinational corporations to continue plundering the earth. As they facilitate new forms of capital accumulation for these corporations, neoliberal states throughout the world simultaneously claim to have scarcity of resources. They peddle this narrative to justify the slashing of social welfare, but it is simply false. 
Why else would military spending increase during the neoliberal period or the wealthiest 5% of the world's population get even richer? And I, I think those are pretty, you know, self explain well, explanatory concepts, right? Like <laughs> Elon doubled his wealth mm-hmm. during COVID. So why isn't my wealth doubled? Yeah. Yeah. If it's so bad financially, why isn't it affecting the richest people? So how come they're doing just fine? In fact, Elon, even though he's crumbling two companies at once, is still mm-hmm. very rich. Yeah. And it's going to be even very though rich. constantly the libertarians are like, oh, it's it's not real money. He has to liquidize it. It's like, well, he's liquidizing it. So <laughs> but he'll still come out very rich because, I mean, the system is set he, up. For that. He just stopped paying severances. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, he just he just you know clubbed people <laughs> with less money than him. That that he just know. didn't pay them. Yeah, cool. Yep. Nice. Uh, the anti-austerity movement has forced us to confront a, distri- a disturbing truth: capitalist states are not concerned with public welfare. Rather, they function as hoarders for the ruling class, which watches with indifference while billions perish. This is apparent in how wealthy nations like the United States have handled COVID-19, the COVID-19 pandemic, encouraging American citizens to identify themselves as consumers who should be shopping around for the vaccine to line the pockets of pharmaceutical corporations rather than looking to the state for assistance or solutions. And this is why I always say vaccines, whatever. Cool. I yeah. get why people are anti-vax. There's, there's a history that is there that. You can't ignore mm-hmm. because these people aren't just making this shit up. Yes, it's founded in some untruths, but mm-hmm. there's a reason it's happening. And especially on my reservation, it's definitely more prominent as we were the ones actually sterilized. When white people start saying they're the ones getting sterilized, it's missing the point. It's missing the forest for the trees. You know, like they're worried about what they do to us actually happening to them because they don't care that it's still happening to us, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's something that didn't stop. You know, 2014 Canada was fucking charged with sterilizing women purposefully through uh, expired vaccines. So, it, and we already saw the Ojibwe nations getting expired vaccines. Inner city free clinics in Detroit were getting, you, you know, these aren't white communities yeah. getting them. Yeah. And the Ojibwe are fairly rich. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and Navajo got expired ones too, I think. <laughs> so, ooh, hiccups. But, the, you know, these are – those aren't solutions. That's a pocketbook solution, whereas a real solution would have been electing Bernie in 2016 and instituting universal health care that by the end of Bernie's four years would have had already set up the necessary components to deal with a pandemic like this, especially if Trump didn't fucking uh, gutter – well, fucking gut Obama's uh, pandemic response teams. Yeah. You know, like there's a bunch of different bullshit going on to this, but even through reform, we could have actually had, uh, you know, a a fucking decent uh, approach to, you know, the pandemic. I'm sure it still would have been bad. Oh, it would have been horrible, but we stand out amongst capitalist states. So obviously it would have been better if, yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's just, unbelievable because like you have like new zealand and they they were doing north south korea was doing just as good as china mm-hmm. keeping mm-hmm. You, for the most part COVID out you know yeah. like and china's you know addressing where they've gone too far finally yeah so it's like you know we you can approach this like a realistic human being and go you know like fucking 
universal health care is the actual solution the government can institute, not deciding when they release what vaccine. And by doing so, fucking make it a bunch go expired. Like, well, yeah. also, also, you could have actual robust um, stipends to, to help people out. Oh, right? that's, yeah, that's not even getting into. Yeah, it. Oh, restrictions on bosses sending people into work, stuff like that. And no, I just you know, don't think we would have had. A yeah. pandemic if we had universal health care. Yeah. Going into how we could have changed things after fact, after yeah. hindsight 2020. Yeah. You know, like U- UBI <laughs> the, the, should be a thing. Like, yeah. And, and, and in the meantime, you know, individuals, you're not going to solve a, a pandemic or, or even necessarily be able to, to completely keep it away from you. It's a systemic effort. Uh, but do your best. And what's even more effective than vaccines. And we are, you know, we're not saying we're anti-vax in any way in this, but we're pro-vax. We just understand the colonial history of, of some vaccines like and you, why you, some people are skeptical. A vaccine uh, isn't skeptical. enough. Yeah, it, you know, it isn't a enough. A vaccine isn't enough. What, what matters even more is masking. And Masking, even, yeah. Well, I mean, effective messaging, even just yes. just effective messaging. Mm-hmm. For God's sake, yeah. The confusion yes. that has gone on yes. is the primary driver in the anti-vax movement. Yeah, it's the reason we have to deal with the shit. That's the reason why maskers have fucking lost the debate, uh, yeah. even though we are proven correct time yeah. and time again by actual numbers and science. You know. It, you cannot get people to mask anymore. So hand out masks at protests, wear one yourself, protect yourself. Mm-hmm. And fucking, uh, we have to overthrow the fucking current shit in order to actually have protections. Yes. Okay. The, those are your, if you want to protect people, masking is not it. Revolution is it. And mask while you do it. Yes. You know, plus That's it also it. helps with facial recognition. So, yes. Yes. Know, that is absolutely 100%. Just so. another fact. Well, that's probably like another reason the government kind of doesn't want us to mask is they realize that. And as things get more austere and. Well, yeah, that's why that's why they went from like the right wing. There is no pandemic. Go back to work to the other right wing, supposedly left wing. Like, remember, they have the left wing reputation of like vaccine right. only solution. Right. Because mm-hmm. then they can make people feel at home. They can make a bunch of money for the pharmaceutical companies. They get and people to take their masks off for their law. What's that? Yeah, they, they enforce IP law, um, and then they get people to take the mask off for facial recognition. All of it. The only thing they didn't do is solve the pandemic, and they don't fucking care. They don't care. No. Yeah, they In they, they want to solve the public. Guy. It's just like cops. it prevents people from going outside and acting out. Yeah, you know, we, like just like we we told you, cops aren't there to protect you. They see crowd control as protecting people. They're there to do crowd control. Just and and Uvalde was a blatant example of that, right? The government's job into capitalists, other than you know keeping people funneling money upwardly towards the capitalist class uh, is, is to control the the crowd of the entire nation. Right. So if they get you convinced that like it's time to move well, past COVID, they don't have to address it. Everybody's always like, their job is to protect and serve. It's like, no, no, that's propaganda. Yeah. There, there was a Supreme court decision mm-hmm. that literally said, it mm-hmm. is not their job to protect and serve you. Yeah. So if that's not their job, they have one job. Yeah, so don't protect so, and serve capital. Yeah, so be very wary of like the the right wing anti CDC that like pretends there's an actual lockdown and thinks that recognizing COVID at all or that vaccines are good is is evil or whatever. But just remember, like the CDC are are, are the fucking health caps. Okay, they 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 don't do they they try to mesh scientific consensus with corporate interests. They are not just about scientific consensus and the 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 good of the public. 
Well, and so like I, I've got around the entire country during COVID. Yeah. I've yet to get it. <laughs> There's a reason. Yeah. I mask, hand sanitize, and fucking carry around wet wipes and shit. Yeah. You know, like that's the only reason I haven't gotten it. And like I've been around the country and I've seen what the fucking standards of pandemic control were from Florida to California, the worst to the best. Yeah. You know, depending and it's all on, back. Yeah, the, well, the Republicans would tell you that the worst was California. The best was Florida. Yeah. But I would tell you that the worst was Florida and the best was California. Sure. And California was shit. Yeah. It yeah. And, shit. and let's be very clear too. Like, we're not just saying if you were good about it, you wouldn't get, it. because there's tons of people that were great about it and it still got through, but you are greatly, greatly increasing your chances yeah, that's the when only you're good way about to it. Stop that. Like you just, don't go out, but yeah. you know, things need to get done. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you live in the world. You can't That's just... my position. Like I'm too poor to stop. Yeah. So. You got to go to work and you got to, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and my job's different than other people's and we have elders dying at a rapid pace because of this. And my job is to record those elders. Yeah. That's what I see my job as. Yeah. What I do to actually make money, you know, yeah different story i do whatever but like my actual job is to record elders and build revolution here that's mm-hmm. what i you know raise my child well and and you need to go out for those things you know yeah you can't well, just yeah it's like i have to go well my partner needs to go to work yeah you know i i do my job or whatever online now thank goodness so i don't have to go out as often but i grocery shop i fucking go to mm-hmm. the doctors i have my own doctor's visits i have to fucking do and mm-hmm. that's the whole thing when you're organizing you know you make house calls and you go there and you try to be careful yeah you know that's about it you know otherwise like you know and like it there's this fundamental like how do you build relationships during covid is the question right and how do you maintain those relationships mm-hmm. and that was really a hard thing on society sure it's something that um needs to be reckoned with and we need to actually develop a good line as um caretakers as marxists as bridge builders yeah you know as you know we're supposed to be building up the fires of revolution and if there's nobody standing around them because they're all too afraid to come out you know like what do we do you know like these are things we need to wrestle with and i'm all for you know making sure covid is you know not it doesn't affect us you know in the safest way possible but it is no longer an option to stay in it isn't i understand that there are people who cannot leave because of their immunocompromisation yeah do not wear the shoe if it does not fit that is my philosophy not everything is about you okay and if i'm generalizing people broadly i'm just generalizing people broadly the outliers exist Mm -hmm. they do that's not how generalizations work. So I don't know what to tell you. I'm generalizing. Like, yeah, it's wrong, but sake of brevity, right? Yeah. Um, and I try to be careful about this, but at this point, it's, um, you know, you've been considered. We've talked about you, in my opinion. Uh, we're talking about the people who can go out and stuff in a more safe way. Like, uh, in Knoxville, uh, they... Uh, made COVID schools ran by communists, COVID safe schools ran by communists that everybody attends in person and they haven't gotten COVID, you know? So like the guidelines work pretty good. I'm yeah. just saying 
You know, <laughs> like if you actually take the time to do the proper shit and like make sure people don't get sick, you can do a pretty good job. Actually, it just takes some investment from the state to make sure that things are appropriately happening. And that doesn't happen often by our state because it's a capital state. Yeah. It's not like it costs more money. That's the issue. Yeah. For the Mark's madness side of, of the listeners, we've been on this since state and rev, you know, that, that really <laughs> know that, know the Has class character. Yeah. Know, know the class character oh, of the state. Oh, oh. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, the class well, character of the state. They're not looking out for you. <laughs> well, that's like uh, on my reservation, we had anti-COVID protests, but it was more like uh, students are already at a disadvantage. Yeah. So if they can't go to school, yeah, it's already – it's quadrupled their disadvantage as Lakota students. Yeah. And so like the biggest argument was like, well, you know – half the reservation doesn't have fucking electricity or water, you know, and you're sitting here telling, you you know, like now we're not going to get our education. So that's a third thing we don't have access to. So they were like, okay, we'll put fiber optic everywhere. And it's like, okay, well there's still a huge portion of the reservation without electricity. So yeah, uh, you didn't really solve that one. Yeah. But you know, the, the libs get to say they did, you know, pat themselves on the back. (laughs) You know, but it's like the traditional people are more fucked over because of this, you know, people who don't have access to just common fucking amenities of first world living. Um, you know, even if there is internet, it's like, do you have it? You know, finally my uncle has it, but it's like, only he has it because he has kids. My like great uncle David Swallow doesn't have it because he doesn't need it. He's like, I don't need the internet. I fucking ha- I call everybody on my cell phone, and he- his cell phone's like a little Nokia. Nice, <laughs> cool. <laughs> he got that from it's the Obama phone. Oh god, <laughs> uh, I love that shit. <laughs> The U.S. government's response to the pandemic confirms that suffering is the only option on the table when it comes to capitalism. We are co-signed, oh, consigned to endure every expanding deserts of abandonment. Meanwhile, the ruling class consoles everyday people by offering paltry, weak-willed policies to create jobs or stimulate the economy. Such policies and reforms produce almost no change, and people are left to sit and fester, watching their relatives barely survive or die. This is what counts for progress and success in a world controlled by capitalism. As the anti-austerity movement has shown, it is simply too much to bear. We must therefore develop and fight for alternatives to capitalism, not not as an aspiration, but as a matter of urgent survival. This requires an informed, practical, and action-oriented approach. We believe the issues we pinpoint in this chapter are most important areas of struggle that can wield the greatest and fastest gains toward alleviating our relative suffering and building a larger movement to dismantle capitalism. Capitalism will fall. We are certain of this. We can heal our bodies by continuing to hammer cracks into its foundations, eventually pounding it into dust that joins the soil from which new life can emerge. So I always like to say, build your own soil. 
Mm-hmm. The biggest issue we have right now is the lack of fresh soil. If you're going to engage in some of the things we've talked about in healing your body, a big part of it is dietary consumption. And the best way to do it is to heal your community's body all at once. Where say you can give baskets of fresh fruits and veggies to your neighbors. That's cool. Um, or uh, we're going to get into the fucking non-consensual chili discourse. Uh <laughs> No, no, no. That stays on the hell site. Just no, 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 no. I don't think your neighbor's going to be offended if you give them some food. Yeah. Or they'll politely say, sorry, I can't take it right now. Right. I got too much as is. Yeah. As long as, as long as you could accept like the no, as much as you could accept the yes, offer it, you know, like it's people can say no. Yeah. Like, it's not non-consensual if you go over there, knock and offer. Like, I think people have this idea that you can't go over to somebody's house without texting. Oh no. And that's like your own personal issues. (laughs) Sorry. So anyway, area one citizen. And also just another thing about the previous section though, is organizing with houseless relatives is the Mm -hmm. most important thing we could be doing Mm -hmm. when we're looking at what is the peasantry in current society that we need to unite with the unhoused population is a huge thing and especially with the philosophical critique we offer which is what is a house Mm -hmm. is it simply a roof over your head you know, because the whole reason we use houseless is because we argue that homes aren't necessarily buildings themselves. But I think that obfuscates the ultimate point that these people don't have permanent shelter. Yeah. Who cares what we're calling? Like, I've been home. I would call myself homeless, you know, but I've been houseless. Yeah, I've you know, I've, like, I've used them interchangeably. And we, we've taken the yeah. time to say houseless because that emphasizes that what they lack is not necessarily right. a home, but a house. But sometimes it is they lack. I mean, there are people that well, that can then, like, couch surf, and and they just have nowhere to to keep their stuff and put addresses and things like or that. If your home is freezing cold in the winter mm-hmm. because you don't have fucking access to heat, yeah, and you weren't able to cut enough wood because maybe you don't have trees on your land. If you have land, yeah, you know, if you're you know, like that's a whole other if. You know, like there's so many things not being considered in this conversation. And it's just unbelievable, like how ignorant some white people can be about this because it's, I I don't want to say just white people, just like well off people in general. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, like when you're talking about what is like cop killings are genocide. Yes, they're bad. You know, hate crimes are a bad thing. But when you're looking at like systemic oppression and stuff like that, one of the most glaring examples is when the entire community of 500 different communities, you know, if you're already lumping them all together, all of them are experiencing a lack of clean water, lack of electricity, lack of access to heat, etc. There's a greater problem going on there, you know, even if there's like 20% of those populations that are well off. Yeah, you know, there's a greater problem going there that needs to be addressed, especially from the fact that we are supposed to be guaranteed historical agency by the UN standards. This isn't to say our struggle is more important; it's that we can leverage the struggle more effectively right now to then 
make gains for everybody else because it's not a zero sum game. You know, a win for us is a win for you. That's how I view it. And when we address things appropriately, Mm-hmm. When we take into ex- account how, uh, you know, black com- African comrades with, you know, a K as the malice like, you know, new African comrades, how they relate to this struggle. You know, what does a post-fact, post-revolution United States look? Uh, it doesn't exist. Neither would a Canada or a Mexico. You know, yeah. these would be maybe one giant continental state. Yeah. You know, but I would imagine it'd be more of a coalition of states and nations formulating themselves how they see best, you know, and part of that will be new African states, you know, that are a necessity in this region. I mean, I would argue that it might be better to reconstitute this giant continent as new Africa, just whatever people don't like the turtle island name whatever i don't give a shit name it whatever you know as long as we know what we're talking about yeah that's all i care about you know like my goal is a you know a united world where there is no class state or money that is my ultimate goal you know i do not want just a lakota state i want to know chete shakawin state and i want it to be better than that you know i do not want the old rivalries. I do not want uh, balkanization necessarily, but I know what's ne- what's going to happen. It's just it's too big of a mess, and especially when you consider that Canada. But we need to unite the struggles. The border itself represents a divide on purpose. When you think about it, most Canadian states are along the southern border. Yeah. So w- when you're looking at what's an effective way to actually engage in struggle in Canada, I would look to the United States. You know, and I would say, what can we do to try to encourage struggle there while supporting the indigenous struggle here? Because there's a bunch of unceded land. You could, I mean, literally, you could all form a militia and go fucking <laughs> like do some uh, fucking what's it called Waco shit or something like that. Oh God! That. I mean, like, <laughs> there's a bunch of different things that strategies and stuff that could be sure. done. It's just a matter of like actually applying your imagination instead of going, I don't know. I don't know about it. So I want to dress it. Yeah. You know, like that's basically what we've been doing. And it's uh, not smart when you consider that the closest things we have to a Soviet right now are reservations and they are being controlled by the feds right now. Mm-hmm. When it, all you have to do is sever that connection. And all you have to do is attack the BIA, which is much weaker than every other government institution. It, you know, like, it strategically to me makes sense. I don't know why other people don't see it. You know, like the fact that you had extinction rebellion at the chamber of commerce while all the Indians went to the BIA during people versus fossil fuel in DC, which was also mind you the same time the original BIA occupation happened in 71 by aim and others on the trail of broken treaties. Um, So like there was a symbolic message there that if white people would listen to us, who, mind you, we organized it. The uh, Indigenous Environmental Network organized this, and then Extinction Rebellion came in and derailed it. Okay. See what happened? Yeah. People stopped listening to Indigenous leadership and started doing their own thing. And because they are the majority, they just stopped listening. Because that's how democracy works in white people's eyes. You know, like, 
there's there's a good insight to to what land back means there too you know right it's like yes the chamber of commerce is involved in this stuff but the people making these oil agreements are almost always interior yeah not commerce you fucking idiots god sorry it just pisses me off because it's just like do you know how the country functions yeah you should really learn that so you don't do stupid shit like this because you go commerce means money that's it that's all that means it's the same shit line go up haha yay line go down haha funny you know it's stupid it's childish analysis you do like it's not actually looking into the materialism of things and it's annoying because we are behind <laughs> yeah like i feel like we should be like 2 years into revolution you know i sure. thought like when when i when i got into things i was like the momentum is unstoppable look at this and then the Bernie bros all fucking died off. And I was just like, oh, no, okay. I see what was happening. <laughs> People were pretending to care because the internet. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Anyway, um, there are currently an estimated 47 million immigrants within the borders of the United States. Oh, and this is why I brought up the houseless thing is because immigrants become another question of what the peasantry means here. Yeah. Because immigrants aren't settlers. All immigrants represent is a solidification of what that settler project's doing, right? It's they come into this country and legitimize it by migrating to a country and becoming a citizen of it. That doesn't make them settlers necessarily anymore because, well, the offices of colonization are closed. Yeah. And for the most part, it's not immigrants buying up fucking reservation land. Okay. Maybe it is sometimes, like if they get rich enough, right? Like in Montana or whatever, like you might have like some fucking rich Japanese person raising Wagyu beef or something. But for the most part, that's not happening, I yeah. think. You know, but like even then, most people immigrating to the United States, you know, uh, aren't usually the worst off in their country, you know, like so there's certain attitudes they bring with them depending on what we're talking about. You know, there's a lot of different things to look into this question, and it's something that if not spoken about correctly, only serves the right. So I don't think it's important to make those distinctions. Well, to call like to inform people. Well, sure. Well, let's, let's also think about too, like immigrant is one of those kind of blanket terms. I was just having it's vague. Yeah. <laughs> I've been, I've been having conversations in my life because everybody talks about like the, 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 you know, uh, creepy uncle or whatever at the family thing. And, and not only do I have my own family things, but I talk to other people about their family things. And, uh, because it's that time of year for everybody to bitch about that. Oh yeah. 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 yeah that's true. Um, and the, the one thing that everybody's going around is, is, you know, the, the, the rights age old conjecture that they're, they're bringing back is everybody's offended at everything these days. Like it's just, it's just want to be, you know, some crank, comedians that that thought they were george carlin and didn't remember that george carlin was left wing not that it fucking matters i love Jeff george Dunham carlin but some participation joke recently yeah yeah it's like, like it, ha 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 right. remember some of jeff dunham's funniest jokes like the the puppet that has a mexican accent right jalapeno. jeez ha, 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 that's a great joke yeah 
God. Um, but anyway, like these guys that, that aren't funny um, and they really want to be, you know, they start, everybody's getting offended, everybody getting offended. And then that became like the, the massive right wing conjecture with everybody's, you know, everybody's everything these days. And what offense does is it becomes a blanket statement. And so pearl clutching at people like being dared to be called out by their racism, um, you know, confuse people that don't care enough because they just heard something in passing and then people rightfully you know uh, some righteous indignation about something unjust is all equated you know so someone like combating racism and go and informing people like hey this is bad like this is why you don't want to have that mascot right this is this is why you shouldn't say that word you know that's equated to someone going oh my god you called me racist and not only that but but that's equated by the word. They don't even mean that. They actually only like point the attacks at the ones that are calling out the injustices, right? It's it's just sophistry because they have nothing else to say. Um, well, so, like, my argument is always that, you know, first off, like, why are you speaking up right now? Right? Yeah. yeah, you seem to be offended. Otherwise, why the fuck do you talk? Something. Yeah, and, oh, like, and, and to make everything political, it's like you did the political thing. I just responded. But Well, like one thing is like when I call somebody a racist and, oh, everybody's a racist now. It's like. No, just you. No. <laughs> I mean, not everybody, but yeah, a lot of people are racist. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, you know, you're just like being fucking politically correct or whatever. And you, you sort of. You just keep like saying, okay, yeah, but I'm just pointing, like, if you think you're bad or whatever because of that, that's on you. Yeah. Whatever your own philosophies are, you seem to be defensive for a reason. Yeah. You know, and so I, 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 I try to play into the psychology of that in that, you know, your defensiveness comes from your own um, offendedness. <laughs> Sorry, defensiveness, offendedness. Yeah, I didn't want to say offensiveness. <laughs> yes, no, your own offense. You've taken your own offense. Yeah, but like uh, you know, they're projecting their own you know fragility, and it's like absolutely. And it's, I've been it's hearing always racist projection. shit my entire life. I assure you, I am not. I mean, I'm offended, but I'm not like crybabying right now. I'm just pointing it out. Yeah, that's all I'm doing. I'm yeah. not seething. I'm not coping. I'm not freaking out. I am simply pointing out that for a fact, that is racist. Yes. So, so, so the reason we went down that path is, you know, the same way offense is that kind of blanket word and blanket term and blanket idea. You get that with immigrants, right? Especially not even just like to the extreme, like we are all immigrants, bullshit, liberal language, but just regular use of immigrants yeah i know it's so bad i you guys cannot see the faces shimani too unfortunately is making here but well, one of the worst jokes we have is uh you know we should have in- established a border control we would have nipped this problem right in the bud and uh it's that's kind of fucked up yeah because <laughs> like border control yeah concentration camps we yeah should not establish that actually no, no maybe white people just shouldn't have been like skeezy when they came here. Yeah. I don't know. And then maybe we can acknowledge that skeeziness now mm-hmm. that we're later on in our adults. Absolutely. I'd like to think. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. We're all yeah. adults here. We can all be reasonable yeah. human beings. Yes. Yes. All right. <laughs> but, <laughs> but anyway, point, point being, um, you know, immigrants, they're, it's, it's a very dynamic 
and diverse set of people, right? And so, you know, you're going to have immigrants from Europe and Republicans aren't screaming about them coming in and taking their jobs. Versus, in fact, Trump said we need more. Yeah, yeah. Uh, versus, you know, you've got immigrants fleeing. Like, what is the difference between an immigrant and a refugee, right? That, that Like, refugees are, are, you know, make up a, a huge number of immigrant settlers. Those are all different dynamics of people and when you use immigrant i i understand it's a, a correct term um but it it equates a lot of things it's a very broad category that simply describes movement and yet people get assigned uh value systems they get assigned financial um status they get assigned all kinds of things just mentally when you say immigrant um that that carries a lot of moral weight depending you know what direction you're talking about and the right wing that really hates it the ones that that you know offended theoretically is already bad enough equating those things but they only point at the left immigrant is already bad enough equating those things but they only pointed at you know the black and brown immigrants they they only pointed at the ones that are more likely to be refugees that are more like well, right, poor you know, and when migrant workers, yeah. Like a lot of people aren't pointing out that a lot of the illegal immigrants, you know, are people that are white who are staying past their visas. Yeah. You know, like Well, that's most not... most quote unquote illegal immigrants too, by the way, are, are not just a mass populating in. It's people that have been there and they have to like reapply for longer term stay. And it's such a massive bureaucratic a process. Yeah, it's horrible and it's expensive and, and it just takes a lot of time to go through. And so if they don't get the visa renewal or the citizenship in time, they have a window where they're quote unquote illegal and they can be, you know, deported. And then all of a sudden you're breaking up a family that has been living here for how long, you know? Well, like there was a bunch of those like, you know, tearjerker pieces of in like the New York Times of liberals who were like, I didn't realize I'd be deporting my fucking well, uh, Republicans, but you know, yeah, liberals to Marxists. Sure, going. I didn't realize I'd be deporting my neighbor. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, you fucking idiots. <laughs> That's how fascism works. <laughs> like, first they came, for, then they came for the. Do you know the poem? Yeah, Niebuhr's poem? poem. Yeah, yeah. First they came for the the uh, the communists, and they came for the um, socialists, and they came for the trade unionists, and then they came it's for like the when the you're Jews, arguing with somebody on yeah. Twitter with somebody who's like oh i'm assuming all this stuff and it's like well you're wrong yeah you know it's almost like that saying assuming makes an ass out of you and me isn't just about the spelling of the word <laughs> yeah jesus yeah like, there's just a bunch of stuff that just blows my mind and fucking, <laughs> we live in a society i'm gonna go full joker after God. today God. i'm gonna oh. start wearing the makeup and everything but it's gonna be native native joker I guess uh, I'll pick up the reading here. So, uh, war, unequal trade relations, global wage disparities, underdevelopment, and climate change have created conditions for massive migration from the global south to the global north. Migrants from the global south face treacherous journeys, criminalization, and detention, family separation, trafficking, unsafe and underpaid working conditions, murder, and severe restrictions on becoming citizens or legal workers. While progressives, leftists, and radicals in the United States have shown outrage about the flagrant brutality of U.S. immigration policy along the U.S.-Mexico border, there is still a denial of U.S. imperialism in causing migration in the first place. We urge everyone to understand how U.S. imperialism operates. 
Well, that's like the big thing with the uh, the massive caravan from Honduras mm-hmm. or whatever. Everybody. Yeah, like we caused the coup in 2009, and then it's why are all these people coming up from Honduras? <laughs> and and let's be very clear too. This stuff is usually not instant, but it is directly caused because the biggest reason for migration, for fleeing, for being a refugee is not even like you'd think war. It is food insecurity. Sanctions well, cause this stuff. Coups cause this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's economic turmoil is what yeah. I call it, which is caused by war. It's caused by climate change. It's caused, by, you know, it. it's all interconnected and to try to distinguish it by all oh, these are all war refugees or, you know, it, it, it misses the forest for the trees to mm-hmm. say it again. You know, it's, you have to observe these things in their entirety. Mm-hmm. Otherwise you are going to miss some huge sections. That's why class reductionism is pointless. That's why when people go intersection is a, a FBI plot, blah, blah, blah. It's like, shut up, dude. You don't, you're just stupid. That's what yeah. you are. You're just a reactionary right wing opportunist. There's a bunch of fucking pieces about you. I could go into it, but any principled fucking communist knows who you are. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you're fucking saying this shit is just proof. You know, like uh, I, I, there was one of the past socials who was like, men have hold up half the sky. And I was like, why did you feel the need to say that? Yeah. This, is, this just seems like men's act, men's rights activism, but make it communist. Like, How is it? And I was like, well, because the saying is women hold up half the sky. And he's like, yeah, but I'm, some people forget that men do too. And it's like, nope, nobody forgets that. It's actually implied when you say women. <laughs> it's, it's taken care of it. The, the other half is, and actually nowadays with, with, we should, we should probably update it. Yeah. I was going to say, if, if you're going to stay, if you're going to clarify men are half the sky, you're doing one of two things you're going, but what about men is if it's not implied in there or you are erasing all other, all the non-binary people. People like me. Yeah. You know, and like, you know, it pisses me off so fucking quick because mm-hmm. like these people, they them pronouns and it's just like, oh my God, you fucking cry, baby. Fucking shit, dude. You're going to cry about what I call myself? How mm-hmm. are we going to have a conversation? I mean, you're over here whining about me using a singular they, a method of communication, a pronouns since fucking, like, I think the first use of it was like 900 AD or something in written text. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, just, I don't know. Like, because that's like when the switched to they or something like that. I, I couldn't remember the exact history of it in English, but like these words mean nothing to me because it's not even my fucking culture. I'm just trying to communicate with you. Yeah. Like I'm trying to learn my own language. I fucking suck at your language. I didn't do well in school. Like the only reason I'm up here is because I did the reading and I, I prove it by when I talk people who are principled know that, you know, people who have read the books too go, Oh yeah, I know where you got that from. Caliban and the Witch, or fucking Michael Perenni, or like I make constant references that are not my words. I do not consider myself original. I consider myself an aggregator of thought. You mm-hmm. know, I consider myself one part of an oral tradition that is collective and discursive. Like it is something ever changing and it's never static and it's constantly evolving. And if you do not evolve, you will fall behind and be left behind. So evolve. I mean, not to be like eugenics or whatever, because that kind of gets into that. But by evolve, I just mean we need to be better than our ancestors. You know, like we we're talking about social up. evolution. Yeah. 
Yeah, social evolution. That's the word. But I, I don't like that. Like, it just gets into the whole Liebensraum shit. And oh, I, 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 yeah. No, I, I, I completely understand. But I've just, just tried just to distinctify it well. from, like, yeah. I just know the history too well. And I'm like, it's hardly a distinction. Yeah. It's always the same shit. Trust me. Like, Ritzel influenced a bunch of fucking Americans just as much as he influenced Hitler. Mm-hmm. And Liebensraum comes from Manifest Destiny. You know, like it's empire building. That's yeah. what Liebensraum is. I mean, because the implication is that it necessitates survival of, of the fittest, mm-hmm. which if you've read Mutual Aid by Peter Kropotkin, um, an ANCOM I don't agree with, but Mutual Aid is a wonderful piece about uh, uh, an advancement of Charles Darwin's theory in that it's not when we mutually struggle that we advance. It's that when we work together as species mm-hmm. and we start to advance more, when we start to cooperate more, we start to have more time to mate, et cetera, safety conditions that our offspring continue forward quicker or more effectively, I shouldn't say quicker, but more effectively quicker in like the, grand scheme of things yeah let's let's be very clear to people survival of the fittest does not mean the individual super most fit creature is going to to, to win yeah yeah no what it means is that the fittest species for a specific environment is able to survive and not die by finding a niche in that environment no but like the thing is is this is a modern understanding of charles darwin's theory sure that's how we commonly still use it yeah right Charles Darwin did think that humans yeah. were the species that could live anywhere and thus are the dominant species anywhere. But then I argue, live underwater. <laughs> yeah. 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 Live in Antarctica. Yeah. Which we do, but not like a penguin. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, live on a volcanic vent. <laughs> live on a mountain. You're going to do very bad. <laughs> yeah. Without community, at least. I mean, that's the only way humans survive. Like, we could potentially do it. And that's what Darwin's getting at. But that's not without, like, a lot of extraction. Mm -hmm. Like, why don't we just take care of the fucking Earth that we already have? (laughs) It doesn't make any sense. Why invent something when you have something? What? Anyway. First, the United States continues to play a pivotal role in causing war and conflicts. And over th- Wait, did we already read this? No, no, no. That's where we okay, are. Okay, okay, okay. No, no, yeah, sorry. We it's just talked about so it. similar. Yeah, oh. yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, it's a shut up. Wait, and it was a shut up moment. and read the book moment. Yeah. <laughs> First, the United States continues to play a pivotal role in causing war and conflicts and in overthrowing global South governments in Libya, Syria, Somalia, Afghanistan, Iraq, Nigeria, Honduras, Bolivia, Nicaragua, El Salvador, Haiti, Colombia, and elsewhere. You notice that was a lot of countries, and then it just said to be like, okay, and elsewhere, because this is just too much. Because, holy lord. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like, this is recent. You know, using hybrid war techniques that combine ideological, because, you know, they didn't say like North Korea or anything like that. But, well, Korea, I should just say. But, um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Using hybrid war techniques that combine ideological and military justification for intervention elsewhere in the world. The United States also form, foments economic and political destabilization, such as by using sanctions, conditional aid in countries that it deems, quote unquote, hostile to U.S. capitalism. Look at According- Afghanistan right now and Syria right now and how they're being starved 
look at at Saudi Arabia bomb, bombing Yemen for essentially. I mean, cannot do it. Like the day the U.S. stops funding it, it's over. They can't, you know, refuel the jets, any of that without the United States. And, and they're bombing Yemen for the U.S. The U.S. doesn't have to, I guess, like take the time to turn the drones coming from Djibouti uh, on Yemen instead of Somalia. I well, think. I think it's more optical, right? Yeah, like there's a denial. Like we're not dropping the bomb. Right, right. Saudi. We're Arabia. just fueling them, providing them chat. Sure. The bombs, yeah, <laughs> we're just providing them the satellite imagery. You know, they just use our infrastructure. <laughs> we're just taking the football to the one yard line, but they they're running it in, man. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. No, we did a special play for for running. <laughs> but um, so uh, where were we? <laughs> We were at according to the United Nations. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> according to the United Nations, neoliberal economic policies are responsible for most of the migration from the areas of the world to the global north. Uh, of these areas, yeah, I knew I missed letters. Of these areas of the world to the global north and to the global south nations and to other global south nations. Sorry, um, that is to say, like the Honduras migrants, a lot of them stopped in Mexico, like. The fact that the U.S. was acting like all these people were coming to the United States first off is just like white saviorism. <laughs> They're like, yeah, I don't actually want to go there. I don't know if you know this, but you guys are on the downturn. In fact, Cuba has a lot of people going back to Cuba. Yeah. Like, like Miami, I should say. Staring in the global south has made the lives of local people so unlivable that they must flee to find sustainable work, healthcare, education, housing. Like I was saying, I mean, like you're not getting that in the U.S., but you're probably getting it better that, than there, right? Um, so I, if I was like being smart, I'd try to go to Cuba just because I know. Of course, you know, we've made this, you know, super short book last forever. Um, but I, I think we'll wrap it up because first off, just writing all these post-its is a lot. <laughs> and I can have the cuff it. I don't need to, I don't need to write it anymore, I think. Yeah. And I think I've put enough sticky notes in here that it's worth an auction. So I'm going to officially call my note taking that's not just while we talk done because I've read this book so many times. I'm Good. Just, I'm done with notes. Yeah. It was it was okay at first, but <laughs> we're almost done with them and I I'm, I'm like maybe I should have finished. <laughs> it's been harder to read than if it's been helpful. Yeah. But well, I mean it's you- important context. It's you know, we're here to yeah, read, but, but we're here to read it. for, yeah, that's true. And the reason why I was doing it was also because I was like, well, then I can auction it off for fundraising and be like, you know, you get all these extra notes, <laughs> sign it, you know, and, you know, it was like, uh, what's it called? Um, I forget the Marxist term for it, but it's not principled. Oh. <laughs> But fundraising, whatever. Sure. Like, sure. I don't know. I, I acknowledge when it's clout chasing. Like, I guess you guys are probably the closest podcasts get to not clout chasing. You know what I mean? Like, you, you don't, you're you not actively, like, dunking on people constantly on Twitter. You know? Oh, like, yeah. No. we that That's clout chasing. As soon as you start dunking, I'm like, come on. <laughs> I, I do it. Don't get me wrong. I, but I openly admitted back in July that... <laughs> Fuck it! I'm gonna clout chase so I can fundraise better. Yeah, and I fundraised forty five hundred dollars <laughs> a month. So anyway, uh, speaking of that, my plugs as this collaboration between Mark's Madness 
and Chocoluta podcast and is that you can reach me at Aunt Bands Island on my personal Twitter and at Chunkalutha1973 on Twitter, which is like the official project Twitter, I guess. Um, now that this is probably coming out in the new year, I don't know. January? Maybe. I don't know, maybe. Yeah. So, uh, you know, um, go there. There's a lot of, you know, things I talk about. But most importantly, I, I'm raising money for somebody uh, – one black indigenous comrade that has cancer and you know, that's expensive. Yeah. Um, uh, it could be that we waste our money, so to say, but I don't find it a waste. Uh, I think it's something really sad. I think they deserve support, even if they won't succeed possibly, mm-hmm. you know, and that's just reality. I'm a very real person and I hope they're not listening and I don't make them cry, but, you know, I just want people to give because it gives them a chance, you know, that's kind of how I view it. You know, like I, I keep $5 on me to give out to anybody asking because what do I need that $5 for? Sure. I could go spend it on McDonald's or something. I don't know. Weed. That's the most like, books and weed. Yeah. Like pretty the well. thing I waste money on. <laughs> I don't know. And even then I try not to like buy weed. I try to grow it. So, but yeah, so like, that's like, I don't know. That's one thing. Uh, but the uh, big thing that I'm focusing on right now is uh, I have a friend who hopefully by this time has paid their rent originally, but they're going to need to pay next month while they look for their job, but they got fired from Amazon for being sick for three days due to COVID. And, uh, you know, that's just bullshit. Bullshit. So bullshit. And so they're trying to get a pro bono lawyer, um, but the pro bono lawyer still needs a fee to retain. That's just how, like, lawyers work. Yeah. And he's like, well, it's got to be a good fee. <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay, well, I see how that goes. But, uh, <laughs> you know, like, obviously he's trying to sue for wrongful termination. Um whether that works or not, I don't know. You're going up against Amazon. Good luck. Yeah. Um, but uh, the main thing is surviving. Uh, so just paying rent. And California is super fucking expensive. So it's 1900 for their rent. And then, you know, like $300 for like bills and fucking food. You know, the daily living expenses to get to work, etc. cetera operate at work, you know, sustain the labor, you know, and like he, you know, obviously isn't going to work right now, but he's trying to job hunt, which, you know, as good as the internet is, I know personally the best jobs I've ever gotten, they didn't, they weren't advertising on fucking the internet. So, you know, uh, that's something to consider. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's the big thing. Uh, we're trying to fundraise for that. Um, once that's gone, you know, whatever, we'll have a next fundraiser set up, but that's the one we're focusing on right now. So, um, reach out, uh, you know, if you can help in some way, uh, or whatever for either of these situations, I guess, you know, maybe like, can you legally adopt an adult? And, uh, <laughs> maybe Robbie's under 25 and could get on the parents insurance, you know, you know there you uh, go. I don't know. <laughs> Let's think outside the box on this one. <laughs> Maybe that's illegal once we say it on air like that. 
<laughs> anyway, so like, uh, you know, just to make light of a dark situation, I guess. Um, maybe I shouldn't do that, but that's how I cope. Uh, <laughs> anyway, March Madness. Yeah, so uh, for the Mark's Madness side of this collaboration, you can reach out to us at at Mark's Madness Pod on Twitter, assuming it exists by the time this you know um, episode comes out. Uh, Mark's Madness Pod at gmail dot com to get a hold of us, or you can email us at that address or follow the link in our Twitter bio to our Discord. Uh, Nathan hangs out there a lot. Monty Two's actually in there quite a bit. I come when called on. Um, but yeah, so that's where you can get a hold of us. And then disclaimer wise, you know, don't just. Did you see my latest rant in there? I have not seen your latest rant in there. It was about Bionicles. Oh my God. <laughs> Isn't that the Lego thing? Yeah, they appropriated indigenous culture. No. Last, last night, well, I forgot they did that. And like, <sighs> I thought, I that's part of why I liked them actually, because I was like. Oh yeah, representing Hawaiians. Oh you no. You know, I was really ignorant first off saying Hawaiians. <laughs> but uh freaking uh you know, like they appropriated a lot of Polynesian culture and like uh, put it into like even like the mass structure where all their power comes from. Oh jeez. Uh, but like they're called Toas. I was like Oh no. <sighs> so anyway, Bionicles sucks. Jeez, a lot um, of it. <laughs> um, <laughs> stupid. <laughs> okay, that's stupid. Yeah, no, it's fine. It's fine. Read maps. Bionicle sucks. Um, so there's some mess- maps. Well, yeah. So you don't think that Nicaragua is north of Bolivia? Oh, 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 okay. Bolivia, okay. goddamn yeah, of Honduras. Bolivia. Man, you just made. That. I just zapped. I fucked up everything. <laughs> Out of the applause, we're going to end it here. We're going to end it uh, here. <laughs> thank you all for listening. This has been a classic David and Shimani Two episode. <laughs> and, uh, look, look forward to more of them as you know we're pre-recording. <laughs> yep, so. you can tell uh, lack of new events for current <laughs> events. <laughs> so with that, we will see you guys next week. Bye. Talk, John.